0: and I'll be reading from John chapter 1, verses 1 to 18, which is on the page in your outline. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life, and life was the light of men, The only God who is at the
1: Father's side, he has made him the uh, Hi there, it's really good to see you here and be with you this morning. Sorry, this afternoon. <laughs> I want to add my welcome to Sam's, especially if it's your first time to uni Bible talks. Uh, you're all very welcome here today. Um, My name's John and I'm part of the Bible group and just to state the obvious up front, ours is no small topic for today, is it? The meaning of life. The meaning of life. It's a bold claim for anyone to make, uh, all the more so because today's is absolute. Absolute. Not relative, as in find your Why? today we shall hear that Jesus is why we live. Now, just to be up front at the start, I want to be uh, transparent, that's how we are at Uni Bible Group, and upfront about how we're going to end today's talk. At the end of this talk, I'm going to invite each of you to pray to God. Uh, we're going to use the words of a prayer that's printed on the paper that you have with you. So, you can have a, a look at that short prayer. They're not magic words, and I hope they're not going to be misleading or manipulative for you, but we're being open about that's how we're going to end. So, please look at those. And secondly, I'm going to pray to God for us now. Again, they're not magic words, but it's asking God's help to understand Him today. So, you can bow your heads. And I'm going to lead us in a short prayer. Let's pray. Our God and Father, we thank you that as the creator of all things, you make yourself known to us. Help us to actually know you as you reveal yourself in the Bible and in your son, Jesus. Help us respond to him knowingly and so find meaning and help me speak in a way that's true to your word. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, would you look to the screen, and we're going to see a short video before we start. Tension was unbearable. Alright, Answer to the great question of life, the universe, and everything is forty-two. Tension was unbearable. Alright, said so Deep Thought. The answer to the great question of life, the universe and everything is 42.
0: Huh? One, two, one. <sighs> <laughs>
1: stuff. I wonder if we have any blood or plasma donors with us today. I'm going to say that last semester, week 13, I gave blood on campus. Good. But they told me it had been four years since I donated blood and that was a bit embarrassing. I'll tell you what, they made me feel so good. Luke, my new buddy, Luke, up there, he tells me this as he's taking the test. um, I love my job, I've worked here about 13 years, and I get to meet the best people in society, people who are willing to sacrifice for others they haven't even met. It's amazing, he says, and I know what he's doing, he's buttering me up. I know, (laughs) it's kind of true, isn't it? Yeah. And this is after I read the posters and the letters, there's a letter handwritten there, basically saying, your blood saved the lives of my kids. And then I see the poster today, you are life, the universe, and everything to someone. And then I get this SMS saying, Jonathan, your blood has gone to save three lives at Mealy District Hospital today. Wow. And then I finally see this video. And even now, but when I first saw it, I was tearing up as a father. Just incredible. This meaning beyond myself. But I'm an old man and I tear up <laughs> I up in the movie Interstellar, and you can ask me about that later. But I don't think this campaign is just for parents, I actually think it's pitched, it hurts me, at your generation, at the universe, for the meaning of life, it seems, is to pursue a purpose that's greater than yourself, greater than yourself. Now, my friend Adam compiled all of the slogans across every university campus in Australia that's used for recruiting students. And here you see but a sample, including that of this fine university. And every university, with perhaps one exception, advertises to you promising purpose. Pursue impossible. You to the power of us, is Or create change a purpose beyond yourself, but nonetheless through you. You can change the world. But is it right? Or is it even helpful in this age of high anxieties? Steve Jobs, perhaps the poster boy for single-minded, world-changing purpose, he knew eventually that life is about more at his deathbed. His biographer, Walter Isaacson, quotes him. Steve Jobs says, I wanted my kids to know me. I wasn't always there for them, and I wanted them to know why and to understand what I did. And he spent his last hours with his sister and wife partner and children. Now, if you've attended a funeral lately or read an obituary, You know this, don't you? You know that life is about more than a purpose. You know the obituaries that are printed in the newspapers and online with a brief biography of the deceased. In 30 words or less, how can you describe one's life? Here's a, a typical summary. Joey passed away surrounded by close family and friends, loving brother or sister, son or daughter of, and will be sadly missed. Can you see the pattern there? What's life about? Life's meaning? It's relationship, isn't it? And what's not there? Career, money, jobs, success. And that's telling. But even the secular researchers like Emily Asfani Smith agree you need more than purpose. You need relationships and you need something beyond yourself, transcendence, she says, bigger than yourself, But, and here's the but, none of the secular researchers go far enough because death puts a sudden stop to everything and puts it all into perspective. Sudden perspective. If you build purpose without knowing the one who made you, that purpose is ultimately futile. If you build purpose without a relationship with the God who made you, that purpose is ultimately futile futile now that is a massive claim i know it's a massive claim to say for me to stand here and say life is ultimately futile without god but don't take my word for it let's see god's word in the bible which you have printed there and if you're a note taker we're a point one in your outline now the author of this part of the bible is a man named john who was a follower of jesus and travelled with Jesus, being taught by him for three years. And he begins his biography of Jesus by giving us this big picture first. The big picture. And it is a massive picture beyond even time itself. Look at the start of your passage there. John chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. Now, for John's original Jewish audience, that is a massive claim because he's echoing the very first words of the Bible in starting his biography of Jesus. The first words of the Bible, the Bible begins with in the beginning. God created the heavens and the earth. Now compare that with what we've just read. In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God and was God. I heard recently that there are some songs that you do not cover. There's some songs that you just don't touch because they're too well known and loved. You don't do cover versions of, it, like Bob Dylan and maybe John Lennon. They're so iconic, do not touch them. Maybe use those warnings. <laughs> John himself is a Jewish man, and if you like, is he covering God's word in the Bible, the scriptures? In the Old Testament, from the very beginning. Something to ponder. This language that we see here, the Word, taps into some Greek philosophy that you can ask me more on later. And it's a bit confusing, but what is clear here is that the Word is a person. Verse number two, sentence two, he. Did you see? He was in the beginning with God. So what's clear is a relationship between this Word and God. God is in himself relationship. So, how's that for meaning beyond yourself? It's not even about you yet. (laughs) But rather, the God who made you is in himself relational. And whether you like it or not, he is why you live. Look at verse 3 with me, (laughs) sentence 3. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. Hmm. When you leave this room and you get stuck behind a line of ducks, even indoors, under 67, know that those ducks were made through him, this word. And when you leave the room and go out at spring session and you're eating your lunch outside fighting off the ducks, your food was made through him, the word. And the sun that you sit under outside if we have lunch afterwards, that sun and the universe was made through him. And when you have that lecturer in Hope Theater that you can't understand, even that lecturer was made through this word. If life and the universe and everything was made through him, life's meaning must be found in him. Life's meaning isn't 42. Cute. Life's meaning is not random. Life's meaning is not for us to write ourselves, but in Him who made us. All things were made by Him and for Him, says the Bible. So, whether you like it or not, He is why you live, He's why you're alive. But there's a hint that not everyone does like it in verse number five, sentence five there's conflict between Him, the light, and the darkness, which is not overcoming. And we'll come back to that. But amazingly, this maker of all things enters the world he has made. Look with me at verse 9, sentence 9. The true light, which enlightens everyone, was coming into the world. And verse 14, number 14. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, And we have seen his glory, glory as of the only son from the father, full of grace and truth. Wow. He enlightens everyone. It's not an inner illumination or it's not just for those few who are interested. It's a true light. It's an objective, ultimate light. Now, this is hard to fathom. So how can we fathom a true, ultimate, objective light in this world? Hmm, I love the FIFA World Cup of soccer, the intensity of the matches, but there is controversy, always, isn't there? Yes, I know there's the diving and the acting, but there's this thing called VAR, Video Assistant Referee, and it was his first use in any major tournament of this scale, and some say it was too early. Now, Australia versus France, the opening match for both teams, big match. France were the winners so we know how it all went but nil nil at half time yeah australia doing well half time in the 58th minute paul Bogba from france slots a pass through to that guy antoine griezmann and the aussie defender on the ground there makes a slide tackle a goal saving tackle some would argue and the referee waves away french protests for a penalty until in his earpiece he hears, mm, check the VAR, oh dear. So he goes off to the side of the screen and looks at the screen and looks and looks and looks at all the replays and he decides, Shh, penalty, goal. <laughs> this Aussie, Josh Wisdom, has the honour of being the first player ever involved in World Cup VAR use. It's like a Gordon Bradbury kind of thing. But, um, Gordon, speak <laughs> VAR is meant to do one thing, just one thing, correct clear and obvious errors. But there's still no ultimate and objective light. Even after watching it, people are split 50-50. And uh, even the referee we heard later on didn't see one of the other camera angles that was perhaps the clearest of them all. This is meant to do one thing at the world's biggest sporting event. Now that's a bit of fun, but more seriously, in our justice systems in the West, a criminal is presumed innocent until proven guilty, and even then, it must be beyond a reasonable doubt, must it not? So when doubt remains, innocence remains. And if you have suffered a great injustice silently, perhaps in the home, or in a toxic relationship, I'm really sorry that that's happened to you. Maybe you've had a purpose in life and it's just been stolen away and severely damaged by an injustice. What hope is there if our best human systems fall way short of ultimate and objective light? Well, there is hope. In this true light. The true light, the word became flesh. He is, of course, Jesus, in verse 17, who's entered the world. The maker of all things enters the world, is made. So the question now becomes, how will the world respond? What's going to happen? And we're now at our second point. But I wonder, how many of you have seen Undercover Boss? Undercover Boss, Anyone? Yes, that's most of us. It's a series where every episode a Boss Goes Undercover in his or her own company in some really low-level role, learning firsthand how to make pizzas, like Domino's Boss Man, or clean bathrooms. Um, My favourite is a Saturday Night Live sketch with a Star Wars um, bad guy, Kylo Ren, going undercover. It's Very funny. But the boss learns firsthand how hard his staff work and what changes need to happen. And at the end... The boss reveals himself. Surprise! I'm your undercover boss. Oh, so good. It's fun. But we've seen that Jesus is the boss. Jesus is the boss. The Maker of all things enters the world. He's the true light that exposes everything. And so, how does the world respond? Look with me at number ten. He was in the world, and the world was made through him. Yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. Why is that? Why doesn't the world know him? The Maker, the true light. Is he undercover and we just can't recognize him? Well, Jesus taught very publicly and openly that he's been sent by God, his Father, to reveal God. And he performed all these miracles to match his public teaching. So he's not undercover. So why doesn't the world know him? It's because of this darkness, remember, in number five that we hinted at before, and our love for it. Our love for it. On the screen are the words of John chapter 3, verses 19 and 20, and I'll read them. And this is the judgment. The light has come into the world. And people loved the darkness rather than the light because their deeds were evil. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light lest his deeds should be exposed. The world doesn't know Jesus because people love darkness rather than light. What evil deeds do you not want? expose? Because we all have them. Is it cheating in a university exam or an assessment to pursue your own purpose? Or is it cheating on your tax return to pursue more money? We're seeing it more and more, this exposure of evil deeds. Of course, the Aussie men's cricket team had their cheating exposed for the world to see. Hollywood men like Harvey Weinstein and Kevin Kevin Spacey have had their evil deeds exposed for the world to see. And the Me Too campaign has sadly shown the prevalence of sexual abuse and harassment. But in universities across Australia, the unis continue to struggle with this seemingly impossible task of reversing a culture of harassment on campus. The Australian Human Rights Commission, their annual report showed this year that one in five students report being sexually harassed in a university setting, one in five. And 1.6 reported being assaulted, which at UOW might be around 500 students. But like these stories that eventually may or may not come out, if your data was exposed for all to see, would you be okay? What is it you don't want to be? I've tried hard to forget things I've done or dismiss them as minor, but God And all this evil is first and foremost done against him. It's against others, and we're not minimising that wrong and the hurt, but it's against Jesus first. Again, John chapter 3. People love the darkness rather than the light. We put ourselves as boss above our maker who entered the world. And God cares that we love darkness and reject Jesus. He's the God of justice. So, amidst the cries of where is God, he sees and he hears and he cares. And he cannot let evil go unpunished, and so the first penalty is death for all. But secondly, he cares so much. So much so that Jesus teaches, more than anyone else, the reality of hell that awaits all of us if left to our own love of darkness. If left to our own evil deeds and chasing of purpose without him. Change the world. Change it more than Steve Jobs. But its futility will be judged when done in opposition to God. This love for darkness and not the light of Jesus is seen ultimately in the killing of Jesus. The maker of all, the giver of life, killed publicly on a cross with nothing undercover about it, but his undercover garments exposed. People love darkness rather than the light. The Maker enters the world, the world opposes him. Is this you? Are you pursuing your life's purpose whilst rejecting your life giver? Point number three is that there's good news. It was for this purpose, this purpose, that God sent his Son into this world. The most famous verse in the Bible is John 3, verse 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. If you read through John's Gospel, which we have copies and we love to read it with you, if you read through John's Gospel, you'll see that Jesus always obeyed God his Father. So his death was a gross injustice. Yet it was God's plan to give his Son to die in our place. In dying, he took God's punishment, porous, such that whoever believes in him should not perish in hell. Friends, if you know your loving darkness and not Jesus as number one, will you believe in him? Will you trust in him and find relationship in God's family? Look with me at number 12. Number 12. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. That's the relationship. I heard a story of an Aussie woman of Korean descent who wanted to know her biological family. She was adopted and she didn't know since the Korean War in the 50s Korea had a system of international adoption and it continued even into the 80s and 90s and even quite higher today now this woman was raised in a loving white Aussie home as one of these Korean adoptees internationally and she didn't have much information at all on how to find her biological family And there was some government assistance, but not really much. But with the help of one organization who specializes in this area, she actually found her biological family. And she describes how surreal it was to actually meet these people in the space of 15 minutes on FaceTime. It's like she was saying through the conversation, wow, that person looks like me,
0: and that person,
1: and that person. She's never met people who look like her. It was amazing. And so begins a journey of getting to know her biological family. Now, I suspect the demand for this service in the West is only going to increase more and more. That is the search for biological families. But just as we've begun today's talk, (coughs) life is about relationship. We saw it, and we know it. It's far more about relationship than pursuing purpose, isn't it? All manner of worldly success is futile without the God who made you and without the Son who died to save you. He didn't just give 400 mils of blood to save three lives in manly. He gave all his blood. He gave his whole life to save all who trust. Will you set aside your pursuit? Of darkness and trust Jesus. Will you live now for Him who died for you? How would you like your life summarized in 30 words or less? In a tweet. HD student, Dean Scholar, World Changer. Can I propose these words for you? (coughs) Apart from missed by family and friends. Dearly loved child of God, now with the risen Lord Jesus, who lives and reigns eternally. Because the meaning of life is in relationship with Jesus. If today you want to trust him and make your life's purpose to live for him, I'm going to invite you to pray that prayer that I indicated is on the paper. So please, let's all turn to that prayer on the paper. And I'm going to pray through that prayer slowly, one line at a time. And to make it your own prayer, you can simply repeat each line quietly in your heart and know that God is you. So let's all bow our heads and I'll lead us in praying this prayer to God as our Father. Heavenly Father, I admit I have rejected you. I have chased my own life's purpose whilst rejecting you, the life of Forgive me. Thank you that Jesus died for me to take the punishment I deserve. Help me make my life's purpose to now live for Jesus as my Lord and Saviour. As one of your children. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Now if you pray that for the first time, this is cause for celebration, actually. And we'd love to celebrate with you, but help you make your life's purpose now to live for the one who died for you. So uh, I think we'll have some instructions on a response card, but if you could at least indicate that you pray that prayer for the first time on that card appropriately, and speak to the friend who you came with, or speak to one of us, by all means, ask, speak to me afterwards, and we'd love to help you follow Jesus.